good to see all these parents with their babies, dedicating them to the Lord, to raise in the fear and the admonition of God Almighty. If we uh, are parents that have children that are out of the house, we know the challenge that it is to raise your children in the Lord. But we also know that there's not a better thing that you can do with your life. Grandparents, parents surrounding these children, church members surrounding the children through VBS, Sunday school classes, prayers, doing whatever we can to make sure the little children grow up really knowing what it means to know the Lord. So keep it up. I was talking to one grandma here this morning and said, well, how was it having your grandsons with you last week? And, you know, she echoes what you hear a lot. Well, I was absolutely exhausted when they left. And, you know, you hear a grandparent say, I cry when I see them coming and I cry when I see them go because you just love being with them. But it's absolutely the biggest blessing, but the most exhausting thing in the world. Moms and dads, grandparents, uncles, aunts, get involved in the lives of babies and children and share faith, talk about God, tell them He made the dandelions, tell them that He made the sunshine, that He made the blue sky, tell them about God. The first five years are probably the most important years of a young child's life. You know, we have this text out of Proverbs 22, 6 that says, Train up, raise up, bring up a child in the way he or she should go. And even when they are old, they will not depart from it. You know, a proverb literally is a rule of thumb that in most cases is the case. It's not a hard, cold promise that comes from God that if you do this, absolutely this is going to happen because a child has to receive the Lord into their lives. But the rule of thumb is you bring up that child in the Lord and that child will love the Lord all the days of his life. And what you see most of the time with children, that they go their own way and they're a little bit rebellious. Weren't we all? And then they remember those teachings that are embedded in their heart and they come to life and they start to understand what's most important And they begin walking in the light and living a life of sanctification like never before. And so we cannot underestimate the importance of bringing up a child in the way that they should go. And that is pointing them to God. Oh, we live in a world that says let them have self-discovery in every area of their lives I'm afraid not. We point them to God. 
We point them to the love of Jesus. And we point and encourage them as they develop in their maturity to stand, to stand on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ to live their life. Today we start our new series, Timeless Truths for All Seasons. And the reality is we need timeless truths in these truthless times that we live in. And so, what is a timeless truth? One that is great for all of us to understand and know, but is a blessing for parents as well, especially raising their children. And this one comes out of Psalm 34, verse 7. And I want you to look at it with me. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him, and He delivers them. Throughout the Old and New Testament alike, there is a powerful, timeless truth, a theme that God is there watching over His children. That the Lord is there on their behalf. And as you look at this beautiful scripture that reminds us of that reality, we see the angel of God, the angel of the Lord, encamps around. Now you think about that. God sends His angel into your life, your family's life, your child's life, because they love and fear Him. Fear Him. The blessing is He will deliver them. You know, what does it mean to fear the Lord? What does it mean to fear the Lord? To understand that concept biblically is very important. Because it isn't the idea that you're just afraid of God. And right here, I think, is a convergence of words that represent what it means to fear the Lord. One, you stand in awe of God. You know that He is higher and greater than all things. You see His magnificence in the world and in your life. You stand in awe of God. That is to fear God. Teach your children to stand in awe of God. Teach them to be reverent to the Lord. Whenever Moses approached God in the burning bush, God told, taught Moses, take off your sandals for you are walking on holy ground. And what made the ground holy was the presence of God because He is the holy of holies. And there is a reverence. We do not treat God like any other person. God is different. God is higher and above all things. And so we have A reverence for God. Teach your children to have a reverence for God. To see Him as holy. So they stand in awe of God. They have a reverence for God. They adore God. That they truly grow up. And as they mature and develop in their faith and see God work in their life, they begin to adore God. God, because He is everything to them. They honor Him. 
And then out of that honor, we come together on the first day of the week according to the Scriptures. And we gather and we worship. We bow. We lift hands. We shout praise. We sing. We pray. We take communion. We listen to the Word of God. We worship the Lord. Teach your children that church is important. You know, there's a trite saying that's going around probably the last 15 years. Give me Jesus, not the church. Give me Jesus, not the church. And I understand as a minister where that comes from because the church has let down and disappointed and turned people away. It has not made them feel welcome. But because the church doesn't function as God would have it function, we should not take the attitude, I'll just take Jesus and leave the church out. The church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. And there are a lot of good churches that are not promoting themselves, but promoting God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit above everything else. We point people to Jesus. That is important. The church is important. You can't really have Jesus in your life without being a part of the church that he died to establish to bring you into. And the church should be important to your children. We have a confidence in God. That's part of standing in awe of God. That God does what he says. That he honors his promises. We have confidence That he will do what he says he will do. And so teach your children to have confidence in the Lord. Teach them to be thankful for the Lord. You can do all of these things, but if you don't have a spirit and a heart that is thankful to the Lord, that shows gratitude toward parents in your own life, church in your own life, how do you think our children are going to learn that you, they should be thankful to God? Now, in Michigan, we get real thankful to God on those first 80-degree sunshiny days, don't we? Lord, oh Lord, you have brought us through the battle and the turmoil of winter, snow and sleet, the winter that would never end. And then all of a sudden, the next day, the sun comes up and the birds are rejoicing and it's 80 degrees and it's hallelujah, Lord, you are good. We need to teach our children to be thankful to the Lord and to love Him. Teach your children to love God. Like I said last week, instill in your child, who do you love most? And when they say, Mom and Dad, be gentle, teach right, say, no, I'm I'm glad you, you say that you love me and your mom more, but you are to love God more than us. Teach them that. They get that right. Oh, you'll be blessed by the lives that they will lead because they will have in proper order and perspective what is important in life, to love God first. And then, yes, there is fear. There is a sense of fear. You see, God is the God that created you. And whenever you die and leave this earth, your spirit returns to the God who created you, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And He is the God that can doom your soul if you've not 
loved and lived for Him. If you've not been cleansed by the blood of Christ. If you've not looked to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Everybody's not going to heaven. Every baby that we saw up here has the opportunity to go to heaven, to receive the Lord. But it's not a guarantee just because, oh, my grandson or my child, oh, my baby's so cute. This is really a matter of life and death for us all. A matter of life and death. Choose this day whom you will serve, Joshua says. But as for me and my family, we are going to serve the Lord Joshua 24, verse 15. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. We may play soccer. We may play golf. We may go swimming. We may have fun at the water parks. But we gather each day on Sunday, that first day of the week, to worship the Lord. That comes first. Everything else comes second. We live For the Lord, that's what it means to stand in awe and have fear of the Lord. Well, this first spiritual principle, this timeless truth that God encamps around those and He delivers those who fear Him, I want you to have that image. There your child is, there you are, and there your family is. And because you fear God in this way, God promises... I'll send my angel. I'll send my angels to surround you. While you sleep or while you're awake, while things are good or while things are not so good, when you feel like you're all alone or you feel like you're at a family reunion, when you're healthy, when you're sick, if you fear me, I will surround you with my angel. And my angel is a warrior, and he is a warrior with sleepless eyes. He will surround and walk the perimeter, and you will be safe, and you will be secure, and you will be guarded, and your needs will be met, and you will have comfort for your soul. That is a promise of God if you are walking in fear of the Lord. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, we learn that James and John have been taken by King Herod. And to make an example of them, he has them killed by the sword. Has them killed by the sword. So, the spiritual realm of a verse like this is to say that the providential, unseen hand of God is always at work. And there are no telling how many times are countless that God has delivered you and you don't even know it. But it's not a promise that nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. But it's a promise that God is there and in the spiritual realm, you are completely covered and safeguarded. But in the physical realm... You will be safeguarded and covered, but still things could happen. James and John were ministers to the Lord, were killed by the sword at the hand of Herod. Peter is taken. 
And Herod is going to make an example of Peter in Acts chapter 12. And Peter is guarded, and I should say so guarded, so that he can't get away, that Herod assigns four squads, having four soldiers each, to guard just Peter. And at nighttime, when they lay down to sleep, he sleeps between two soldiers. And he has two chains on him. And the following day, Peter is going to be made a spectacle at the hand of King Herod. And God sends his angel. Because the church has been praying. God sends his angel. The angel taps Peter. Peter wakes up. The chains come off. He leads Peter through the gate that opens by itself and walks with him about a block down a street and then disappears and all acknowledges it was the hand of God that delivered him because the church, listen to this, was walking in fear of the Lord. When you teach yourself, your children, and you live the life of walking in the fear of the Lord, great blessing comes. And I want to say this especially to the parents. We want our kids to have everything. I did too. But we've really got to get what everything is. Everything isn't the nicest jeans, the nicest haircuts, the designer glasses, all the sports this and all the sports that. The nicest thing is that they walk Because He will bless them in ways that mom and dad can't. There's nobody in this world that loves my son and daughter more than my wife and I. There just isn't. But there is a God in heaven that loves them more than I ever could. And they're His. Because He knit them together in the secret place. And whenever they grow old and they die and they leave this earth behind, they don't return to you. They return to the God who created them. And if you're in heaven, you'll be with them. Are you walking in the fear of the Lord? So, look at Proverbs nineteen twenty three. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Now, that's a promise. It's a rule of thumb. You know, whenever you live in fear of the Lord in this healthy, positive quality, the text says it leads to life. You have real life. The life a person lives without God is not real life that the Scriptures talk about. It is not the life that Christ died on the cross to give us. One is life in this world. The other is an abundant life in this world and in the spiritual realm. And whenever you have that abundant spiritual life, it leads to a life that even when trouble and hardship comes, you are at peace in your soul because you have confidence that the Lord will bring you through it. You know that this world is not all there is. 
that this world is not the final thing for us. After we leave this world, then we are set for eternity, whether it's with the Lord or without the Lord. But eternity is set because it's destined for a man to die once and then after that, face judgment, Hebrews 9 and 27. But you can rest content. You know, you can do everything you can in your life to to make sure the car's maintained, make sure the tires are good, make sure the doors on the lock of the house are good. You know, all that stuff's good stuff in this world, but you rest content. You sleep well because you know that the Lord is with you, watching over and surrounding and protecting you. And what a blessing that is for us all. Look at this next promise. The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. You know, this is one of those things, the providential unseen hand of God that simply says, you know, it's rule of thumb, but the wicked, their lives are often cut short because of the kind of lives they lead, the places they go, the things they do. It cuts their life short, but not so with the one that fears the Lord. Their lives, according to this passage of scriptures, are prolonged. Christian people believe in the power of prayer. Oh, have I prayed for my son and daughter through the years, and I know my wife has too. Something my kids probably will never know unless someone tells them because they hear the times that Jabez was going back and forth to college and going to have to drive all the way down to Lakeland, Florida and going here, going there. It's like, oh man, that's a long trip by yourself. Are you going to be okay? You know, you never know what kind of trouble you can get into. I always, always, before you get up the morning of, go down outside his door, get down on my knees and I'd pray, oh Lord, please, please, please watch over him. Please give him traveling mercies. Please protect him. Please Take care of our son. I did the same thing with our daughter, especially before they got their driver's license. Oh, holy God in heaven. That was like a powerful crying out in righteous. Please, Lord, I don't know if I can take this. I remember teaching Ashley to drive, and I put it in gear, and she turned the blinker on. It's like, oh, Lord, help us, Lord. This is not going to be good. The fear of the Lord fear of the Lord, that positive quality adds length to life. And parents, you want your children to live a good, healthy, long, productive life. Make sure they fear the Lord because that's one of the promises. They'll have a long life as a rule of thumb. Proverbs 22.4, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor in life. Riches and honor. Now this is talking about spiritual blessings that are many. Talking about honor, there's something about a person that loves and lives for the Lord. Although the world may hate you at different times, and although the world may call you names, that's okay. But there will be honor that will come to you because God will make it so. God humbles the proud But he exalts and lifts up in honor the humble. What a beautiful spiritual principle. And riches, God will give you good things. 
things that you can enjoy. That's another reason to make sure your children, that you yourselves are walking in fear of the Lord. And then God will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. doesn't matter if you're old. It doesn't matter if you're young. God's blessing is there for us all. He simply says, look to me in all. Adore me. Worship me. Let my name be the praise that's on your lips. How abundant are the good things that God has stored up for those who fear him. You know, most of us probably have experienced a lot of good things from the hand of the Lord. How much more does God have stored up for you? And it is implied that because you fear Him, you will receive them. So keep walking in that sanctified, set-apart life of standing in awe of God. The good things. He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. God hears you because you fear Him. Look at that right there. The desires. We all have desires, things that we would like to do, things that we would like to happen. And God sees that and that's okay. But trying to do it on your own and and meet your own need when God's designed you in a way that He's the only one that can really meet your need and give you the desires of your heart. Why look to anywhere else or anyone else? Look to the Lord. At Faith Keepers last Thursday, oh, did we have a breakthrough? A man that I've met at Panera Bread five or six years ago, sort of a hardened guy, was drafted into the Vietnam War, was put on the Cambodian River as bait, as he would call it, and pulled out of college and just angry and bitter and came back and married the love of his life. And she left him. Left him early in the marriage and he cried out, God, God, please, please save my marriage. Please save my marriage. It's been almost 40 years. He still carries her picture every day in his pocket. Went to his house about two years ago, just trying to slowly be a friend and hopefully eventually a brother. And he was building the house for her. Carpet wasn't in yet. The walls weren't finished. He just stopped. It's like it's standing still in time. Just it broke his heart. Now he's mad at God because God didn't give him what he wanted. Allowed things to happen to him that he didn't want to go through. Worked as a prison guard and saw all the negative, hateful, evil things. We've talked about the love of Jesus and the cross at Faith Keepers. And he began to talk. 
And he began to talk, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, he's answering this question. It's taken a long time. And he begins to cry and really break down and cry hard as he shares that he looks back now and he sees was that God's providential hand that in that jungle, in those bushes where you couldn't see one foot in front of you when I wanted to go left and I went right and I was protected and he's starting to attribute all of that to God in his life and did God spare me something that I might have wanted from a woman that could not give me that to spare me years and years of pain and misery but he started to look that God was there and that God was watching and that God was guiding and that God was protecting and he's starting to have the right outlook and God is breaking his spirit down to acknowledge that God is there doing these things out of love on his behalf and the same is true for you when you begin to stand in awe and fear of the Lord, God moves in powerful ways. And I thank God. Taking six years. But I thank God that we're getting there. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him. I want to leave this with you this morning as you think about the angel of the Lord encamping around your house, your life, your sweet little children's lives. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 6 that has the same idea of the angel of the Lord encamping, protecting, and delivering. And it's Elisha, the prophet of God, Israel is at war with Aram. And God keeps revealing to Elisha the troop movements of the army of Aram. So Israel is always in the right place at the right time to do the right thing and to avoid the conflict or strike when God would have them. And the king of Aram says, Who's betraying our trust? And his counsel points to Elisha and says, everything that's said in the, the privacy of your bedroom, he knows. And he's telling the nation of Israel. And the king of Aram says, go after him. Send a delegation of troops, find where at. They learn that he's in Dothan. And they sneak in. This time, the word of the Lord doesn't come to Elisha. He's asleep. His servant is asleep. And the Aramean army surrounds Dotham in a massive force. The servant wakes up, goes outside to stretch probably and see the sunshine and give thanks to God for the morning. And he sees the army surrounding, that's what the text says, surrounding Dothan. Chariots, horses, men, massive army. And he panics, runs back in, wakes up Elisha and says, you got to get out here, look, we are surrounded by this 
army that's going to devastate us. You know, what's really unique is Elisha doesn't seem textually to panic at all. He simply prays for his servant. and says, oh, Lord, as they walk outside, would you open my servant's eyes so that he can see the reality of the situation we are in is not nearly as grim as he thinks. And God opens his eyes. And guess what is surrounding Elisha and his servant? The angel armies of God. Fiery chariots. And God strikes out against the Aramean army and devastates and routs them. It is interesting to me that the writer of Second Kings says that Elisha is surrounded by the enemy. And then through the prayer we are told that the army of God has surrounded Elisha. And that's really the way it is for you and I. It doesn't matter how big your enemy is that surrounds you. If you walk in the fear of God, the army of God surrounds you. You don't see it, maybe, but you ought to be able to see it in faith because we live by faith, not by sight. But the reality is you are protected by God. You are surrounded by Him no matter how great your enemy is. So as I close this morning, my deep, deep hope for you, all of you, your children, is that you, in a way, begin making sure that you yourselves are giving the example to all your loved ones and anyone that might listen to you or look at your life and say, there is a woman of God. There is a man of God. There is a student of God. There is a child of God. And they are living in fear of the Lord. May you be blessed and need this promise, this timeless truth that God's angels surround and encamp your life be a great comfort and a blessing to you. Would you stand with me now as we cry out to God in worship and song as Matthew and the worship team leads us in a time of prayer. If you need prayers, we have prayer teams that will be around in this building. Go to them. They want to partner with you in prayer. If you're ready to make a decision for the Lord, to confess your sins, to repent, to be baptized, whatever your need is, we are here to be ambassadors for the Lord. May God give comfort to your hearts if they are burdened and lift them up. Let us sing and worship our God.